Welcome to part one of our SEC Championship special on the Savage Pads podcast. I'm your host, Doug Battle, and on this episode, former UGA wide receiver Michael Bennett is joining the show to discuss the 2013 Georgia LSU Classic, the wide receivers who need to step up in this Georgia LSU showdown, and the potential of his former offensive coordinator Mike Bobo to return to Athens. Then, Frequent show correspondent Caleb Gwynn will be live in studio to discuss Georgia's performance against Tech, predictions for championship week, and what it will take for UGA to silence their doubters this Saturday. Before we kick things off, I do want to make you all aware of an opportunity to win free Chick-fil-A. We're giving away nine separate breakfast entrees, lunch entrees, and desserts thanks to our friends at the Barnett Shoals in Beechwood locations in Athens, Georgia. This giveaway takes shape in the form of coupons, which are redeemable exclusively at these two Athens locations. We're giving these coupons away on our Twitter, so just follow us at Savage Pads and retweet our pin tweet for your chance to win. We've got a great show coming up. Stay tuned. Practice every day. Man, oh man, mano a mano. He, he definitely six hour mod me and myself as close as we uh, have right now to rope on. When we scored, I honestly did not know where I was for about five seconds. Early on, you could see with Jake, you know, just like with Fran talking to. Maybe one of the most underappreciated quarterbacks in the country. And we got to keep feeding the running back. I, I don't think we've yet to see the tight ends. I think Georgia does a great job bringing pressure on third down. Turn around two weeks later in the SEC championship, we look like a completely different team, and we made them look like a completely different team. I mean, it's hard to get emotional thinking about it. And it was my job to kind of get outside the corner, and uh, as soon as I let it go, I knew it was good. From that point on, I kind of began to trust the Eric Murray is my quarterback. The team was just special. I was famous. He was onside. Everybody respects specs. That's what every Georgia fan should hinge their hopes on. Alabama and Georgia are the best two teams in the country. I feel like we are the true running back you. I have great confidence that we're going to see the personification of Georgia football. Welcome to the Savage Pads podcast. Former UGA wide receiver Michael Bennett is on the line. Michael, thank you for joining us. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Well, Michael, as you know, the Dogs will take on LSU in the state of Georgia this week for the first time since your team's thrilling Sanford Stadium victory in 2013. It was one of the greatest games in Sanford Stadium's celebrated history, and you played a major part in that one uh, with the touchdown that set the tone for Georgia's offense. What do you remember about that victory against Odell Beckham and Jarvis Landry's LSU team? Yeah, it was a great game, man. We Game day was there. I think we were number nine. They were number five, something like that. So mm-hmm. we, just a ton of ton of uh, buzz around that game. A lot of fun. Probably the most fun game I've ever played in. Mm-hmm. And um, you know they they had a highly touted offense as they do this year with that Burger, um, Odell Beckham, Jarvis Landry, um, great running back too. So we 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 had a big big uh, task in our hands. We we, we won, man. It, it was it was just. It was a lot of fun, especially scoring a couple times in that game. Um, back and forth. I can't remember the exact score. It was 45 and 42, something like that. So just high-scoring shootout, everything a fan loves to watch, too. So mm-hmm. um, it, it really set the tone for a year. Unfortunately, we had a lot of injuries 
that uh, hurt us later that year, but um, great right. game nonetheless. Yeah, absolutely. I love that you mentioned that offense, you know, being able to win a shootout in that one because Georgia fans miss that. They miss having an offense that's real explosive and that can run up the score if they need to. While Joe Burrow and this LSU offense are one of those offenses and they're hot as fire going into this one, Jake Fromm's offensive unit has been anything but explosive all season long. How do you think throwing to a new group of wide receivers has impacted Jake Fromm's performance this year? Yeah, it's been it's been tough. I mean, I think he he definitely misses those guys that are a little more explosive than the guys they have now. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the end of the day, they still have five star receivers that they, they've just got to step up. They've got to grow up and step up and start making some better plays. Right. Reminds me a lot of 2011. Um, we had just lost AJ Green in 2010. That's right. And yeah. Mars King, Marlon Brown, um, Rantavius Wooten, Malcolm Mitchell, and myself were the five receivers. We had pretty much five un- untested guys that didn't have a lot of stats or a lot of playing time. And we stepped up. We, we broke some records, some Georgia records, offensive passing records that year. Um, played well, and a lot of it had to do with our coaching. We had a really good receivers coach at Tony Ball. Uh, they're not saying that coaching is right now. I'm sure it is, but you, you just got to step up. And, and part of that comes on the quarterback as well. I think Prom's quarterback play this year hasn't been as good as it's been in the past. I mm-hmm. think he he would admit to that. But um, you know, it, it it also shows having good receivers how much that can help you. I mean, look at Alabama and look at. LSU, between those two teams, they've got six guys who probably could play or get drafted in the first of first to third rounds of the NFL draft next year. Right. I mean, that, and it shows in the offensive production. Both of those teams are, you know, almost unstoppable on the offensive side of the ball because those receivers can create separation, stretch the field, catch the ball. They're not not a lot of drops. Um, make make plays after they catch the ball. So, all all that to say. You know, I think Georgia Georgia receivers. You know, it hasn't been the best year for them, um, and and I'm I'm not sure the running game is going to carry us to the victory. So some guys have got to step up and make some plays on Saturday. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I love that you mentioned that 2011 season because I do remember after the departure of AJ Green, everyone was kind of wondering who's going to be that guy because you know Tavares King's really good, but is he AJ Green? And it felt like we just needed an AJ Green. But instead of having an A.J. Green, we had several guys, including yourself, step up and bring something different, and that was just having a diversity of options to spread the ball out to um, and guys that have been waiting their chance that, that were also very talented. And so I know there's a room full of guys who've been waiting their chance at Georgia now to make big-time plays and big-time games. A couple guys that come to mind are Kyrus Jackson and Demetrius Robertson, as someone who emerged as an integral part of UGA's offense after a year and a half of preparation at UGA, how do you expect guys like Kiaris and Demetrius Robertson to approach this opportunity that lies before them? I mean, they've just got to they've got to trust that their training they've done this offseason and this year um, is going to produce for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, you know, especially Demetrius Robertson, I think did he come from Cal? Yep. That right? Yep, that's right. He, he's uh, he was a five star guy. He, I mean, he's made plays, um, but you know, maybe it's just a maybe it's just a uh, a function of 
um, Coley getting them the ball early to kind of get them going in the game, get a little momentum, get a little confidence. Mm-hmm. Um, but that, that's a good question because I, I remember remember when I was a retro freshman, you know, starting the season off, I wasn't starting. I think I was the I was like the fourth receiver in the rotation when I would come in, and then Marlon got hurt, Marlon Brown. So I I, I played a lot. I think it was a South Carolina game, mm-hmm. and the second pass I caught, I scored a touchdown, and it just kind of rolled after that. You just gain momentum, you gain confidence. So, like I said before, maybe for those guys you mentioned, just get the ball in their hand early, have them have them make some plays. Maybe it's just an, an easy little hitch, a slant, something some easy that they can get the ball in their hand quick. Um, have them get hit early in the game. Sometimes that that shakes the cobwebs, mm-hmm. and maybe that'll lead to, to plays made later down the road in the game in the third and fourth quarter where they need to have it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and without having Lawrence Cager for the entire game and George Pickens for the first half, do you expect the offensive game plan on behalf of Kirby Smart and James Coley to be different than it would be with those guys? Well, I mean, anytime you have two guys like that out, it doesn't help. Right. right. So, And they've got to they've gotta score points because you know LSU's going to score points. So, right. You know, it, I think it has to do a lot. We got to rely on our running game and rely on play action passes. And you've got you've got some good tight ends, and that, that that's an easy way to get the tight end the ball play action passes. Um, and you you've got to maybe hit a trick play or two. I think that's something they, that they've got to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're right, not having those guys just does not help. And like I said, Demetrius Robinson, I know he's got the speed. He's got to be the guy to stretch the field. Mm-hmm. So you, you've got to hit a few few shots like that. Uh, but as far as the offensive game plan goes, at this point in the game, you can't change who you are. At this point in the season, mm-hmm. after playing 12 games, you can't just completely change who you are. you got to stay with what's, what you've done. Um, and obviously they've struggled a little bit, so you've got to find some improvements here or there. But I don't know. They, 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 they've got, they've got a, a challenge ahead, especially those guys out. Mm-hmm. And on the other side of the ball, um, there's a little bit of a different challenge because while we haven't struggled as much on defense, this top-rated SEC defense will be going against LSU's really high-powered offense, which is averaging just over 560 yards and 48 points per game. Do you believe the defense win championships rule is going to prove true in this one, or do you think that spread offenses have changed the unwritten rules of football? Well, I don't think LSU has faced a defense like George's. And uh, so that thing, that's going to play a big part into this. Um, yeah, I think if, if Georgia can keep LSU at around 21 to 24 points, I think they win the game. Now, if, if LSU gets up to 31 to, to 35 points, you know, I think LSU wins the game. Mm-hmm. So it's just a, it, I think it's going to come down to that, that matchup right there, the LSU offense versus the Georgia defense. So I think Georgia will they'll they'll be able to score, you know, twenty four or twenty eight points around that. But you know, if, if LSU gets rolling and they they get up in that thirty to forty point number, I just don't see how Georgia's offense, the shape they're in, they can get to that kind of they can put those kind of points on the board. So, um, but to go back to your question, you know, I think I think that uh, defense definitely can win championships. I mean, you, you look even just. I guess that was eight years ago when LSU played Alabama um, yeah. in 2011. I guess it was, and 
in the in the regular season, I think the score was like nine to six. That's right. And then and they played again in the uh, in the national championship, and it was twenty one to nothing or something like that. Yeah. And it was it was the Alabama defense that was just suffocating. So um, in a one of a championship. So I, I, that was not that long ago, and I think that absolutely can be the case this year. Yeah. Well, man, I hope to see that. Um, but one last question for you, Michael. Your former OC, Mike Bobo, is rumored to be on his way out as head coach at Colorado State. We don't know anything for sure here yet, and obviously we've got to see what happens with Georgia this week coming up and into the more of the postseason. But if UJ were to bring Coach Bobo back as offensive coordinator, what changes would you expect to see in Jake Fromm if he stays and just in the Georgia offensive attack as a whole? Well, I tell you, Mike Bobo is, is one of the best coaches I've ever been around. Mm-hmm. I mean, he he um, incredible football mind. Um, he's very very tough coach to play for, but he knows his stuff, mm-hmm. and he's one of the he, people gave him a bunch of crap when he was at Georgia. There's fire Bobo this, fire Bobo that, you know. But I feel like every coordinator, they're they're always wanting to fire up the sure. team. So, sure. yeah. But the, the the facts and the stats speak for themselves. We broke records almost every year he was there, especially toward the end. So, um, you know, I think you, you when I was there, we were very tacking offense. We ran the ball really well. We had really good running backs, but then we also we could spread it out, and we had a great quarterback in Aaron, mm-hmm. and then Hudson, my senior year, that. Um, just distributed the ball very well. I mean, he he can he knows how to coach quarterbacks. He knows how to groom that position, and and I think Fromm could could you know look forward to that and and appreciate that. And again, not nothing against the the staff now in Georgia. I think sure. they're they're doing a great job too. Mm-hmm. But um, just speaking from experience with Bobo, I just know what he can do for the quarterback position and get getting playmakers the ball. I mean, he's very very good at that of getting his best guys the football as much as possible. Because at the end of the day, that's, that's who you got to ride or die with, are your, are your playmakers. And he, he always made sure whatever week it was, we had a little wrinkle here or there against a certain team where he saw, okay, here we can get uh, Todd the ball, you know, an extra five or six times. Or we can get, you know, Malcolm Mitchell the ball down the field on this, on this coverage. There's just, there's just ways he's just so good at that. Um, I think George would be really lucky to have him back. Yeah, I absolutely agree. Well, uh, Michael, again, appreciate you taking a moment of your time to join us and appreciate you sharing your thoughts with us on this one. Uh, We'll be pulling for the dogs on Saturday and hoping for those young receivers to step up like you told them to. We'll see you, man. All right, go dogs. Thanks for having me. Yep, go dogs. I'll be a dog till I die. All right, now Caleb Gwynn returns to the show, and I'm actually with Caleb. Uh, Caleb, it's great It's great to see your face. It's really good to be on live with you right here. I feel yeah. like a real podcaster right now. Yeah, this is a first for us, and we're, we're in the same room. So we're going to do a pick six segment like we always do, but I want to begin by letting you, Caleb, give a few awards from the Georgia Tech game Starting with the Smash Mouth All-Star of the Week, this is the offensive player who best embodies Kirby Smart's demand for composure, which automatically eliminates George Pickens. Composure, physicality, um, which he would have gotten, and toughness, which he also could have made an argument for. But Caleb, who is your Smash Mouth All-Star of the Week this week? 
Boy, what a sloppy game on offense it was. Um, it's kind of hard to find somebody that really, really stood out with some big stats and plays and stuff like that. But mm-hmm. looks to be Tyler Simmons for me for this game. Um, he stepped up. He's he's kind of been you know wishy washy this year. Um, sure. But this game with um, some receiver weakness going on right now, he's he stepped up. Did did what he needed to do. Continues to block well. Has kind of had some slippery hands of late. But he did uh, he did make some big plays for us this past game. Yeah, Tyler's been one of the most criticized players on this team, right there with Matt Landers, both of whom I would love to see redeem themselves this week because Cager's out, Pickens is out for a half, and they're going to be getting quite a few snaps. Tyler Simmons is the most experienced receiver on this team. He stepped up against Georgia Tech last week. He caught all the balls that came his way. He, Like you said, he was blocking well, um, had some nice rushes on some misdirection plays, and hope to see him continue to step up and have a bit of a redemption performance this week, at least in the eyes of many dog fans. But on the other side of the ball, Caleb, it's been much less frustrating. And as always, we want to name our Savage Pads Player of the Week. Caleb, if the Savage Pads were to be given out like a game ball to the best performer on defense, who would be wearing them after that Georgia Tech game? He's kind of been a a quiet leader and a playmaker for this team so far, um, Monty Rice. Yeah, um, he's. I think I think we talked about it. He's the leading tackler right now on the defense always in the mix, always flying to the ball. Um, and he did just that this past game. He was, I think he had eight tackles and it didn't make any huge, you know, um, interceptions or fumble recoveries or, or whatnot, but he was there. I mean, he was, he was wrapping up, um, making some huge tackles for us. Yeah. I don't know how Monty Rice always gets lost in the shuffle as far as players who stand out on this Georgia defense. But when you look at the stat sheet, he's always right there, one of the leaders in tackles, and he was the the leading tackler in this one. A really important player for this defense, somewhat of a quarterback, at least at the front seven, and a guy who we missed for the SEC championship game last year. So looking forward to seeing how he commands the troops on that side of the ball against Joe Burrow's really, really explosive offense. And we will talk about that offense in a moment after we do our pick six. But first, I want to do our pick six before we get to that extra point. Caleb, on the season, you have pulled it to within three. So I have 51 points and you have 48, mostly due to the fact that you got the closer score last week on the Georgia-Georgia Tech game in the extra point. So we are going into the championship week, um, conference championship week. And we're going to start with Utah Oregon. So Utah's number five. Oregon is number 13. And uh, the Utes have won eight straight since losing on the road to USC. Meanwhile, Oregon has lost to Arizona State, but but has since beaten in-state rival Oregon State on rivalry week. Caleb, who's your pick for this one? I really like uh, Utah. I've, I've really enjoyed watching them play. Um, if it were to be that Georgia did not get in, I would I would kind of like to see Utah get in there and just at least mix it up. So I'm going to shoot for Utah. I think they're the better team. I think they'll control this game. Yeah, I'm going with Utah as well. I think a lot of people are quick to forget the Utah team that absolutely stomped Alabama in the Sugar Bowl. Um, But historically, they've had some good teams. 
Oregon, just they're so up and down. Like on any given week, yes, they could beat a Utah, but Utah's been the more consistent team. They're so close to a playoff. I mean, they in their heads, if they win this game, they should be in, you know, in their minds. And so I don't see how you lose in that situation when you're them and you've already accomplished all the things that they've accomplished this season. So I'm going with the Utes. Next one, another game with playoff implications. Number eight, Baylor versus number six, Oklahoma. This could very well be a playoff game. If a few things happen, um, either team could get in with that four spot. Baylor lost to Oklahoma by three earlier in the season after blowing an enormous home lead. And Oklahoma has not completely dominated the second half of the season as many of their fans hoped they would. Though they have survived enough games to be positioned once again to compete for a playoff spot. Clearly, both of these teams have a shot. Caleb, what are your thoughts on Baylor, Oklahoma? Yeah, this one will be um, really fun to watch. Barn burner. Um, I think, I don't think Jalen Hurts will come into this game just expecting to win. This, I mean, I see him being really aggressive and really um, gritty in this game. I think I think Oklahoma will pull it out, even though they haven't been playing mm-hmm. um, as they have at the beginning of the season. I think they could kick it in for, for a game of this caliber. Yeah, I agree. I think, uh, I think having that experienced quarterback is huge in these kind of championship games. I think he's not going to be shaken by the moment. And I also think that Lincoln Riley has consistently put his team in the playoffs. He knows what it takes. He knows how to prepare for these games. And he's going to do what it takes to lead his team to another victory over a sneaky good Baylor team that also has a shot at the playoffs. So going with Oklahoma. Next one, ACC championship, number 22, Virginia, versus number three, Clemson. Virginia just broke a 15-year losing streak to Virginia Tech. Um, to everyone in my family, surprise. My dad went to med school at UVA, and uh, my brother went to undergrad at UVA. So we always watch that game. Virginia Tech always finds a way to win, even when they shouldn't. And it was just an absolute shock, an absolute thrill for the Wahoo fans um, or Cavaliers, to those of you um, that don't call them the Wahoos. But most Virginia people call themselves the Wahoos. Wahoo Wah, Virginia with the win over Tech, but now they face back-to-back-to-back games of Clemson and then either Georgia, Florida, or Alabama, and then Georgia for their first game to start the season next year. So they've got a tough slot here coming up, starting with Clemson, who has taken care of business in the second half of the season, most recently beating South Carolina 38-3. to Trevor Lawrence has quietly turned his season around and As per usual, Dabo has his team playing their best ball just in time for the postseason. Caleb, who do you have in this one? Yeah, it's really hard to pick against Clemson in this one. Um, I do agree. I think um, kind of shocking to see Trevor Lawrence get get off to a slow start, Um, but he definitely looks like the guy that was playing in the national championship last year. Right. Um, I mean, there's many, many other reasons to pick Clemson on this one added with how well Trevor Lawrence is playing. So I I just can't pick anybody other than Clemson in this one. Yeah, Clemson seems like a team during the season or on any given week they could lose to a team like Virginia, a ranked 
but not very good ACC team. But it's different. This is a championship game. Clemson knows how to take care of business. I expect them to dominate from start to finish. Their defense has impressed me all year long, and I do not expect UVA's offense to muster up many points in this one. I'm going with Clemson as well. Another rematch game here. Ohio State, who's number one, number two, depending on who you ask, versus number 10, Wisconsin. For those of you that remember, OSU won this one 38-7 earlier in the season. Could we see a Georgia-Auburn 2017-type flip-flop here? Caleb, what do you think? I just don't see that happening. Um, the only way that that would be possible to me, in my opinion, was would be if um, Fields was actually hurt. Uh, mm-hmm. His knee, can't remember, right or left knee, he was struggling with that. But he did come back in the game and impress on the first snap after that. So um, I can't pick away from Ohio State in this one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I still deep down feel like we're going to see that Georgia versus Ohio State game. In, in a few weeks. Um, so, yeah, I'm going with Ohio State here as well. I'm still a little upset about Justin Fields getting away, if you can't tell. But uh, great football player, phenomenal team. Ohio State is for real until proven otherwise, and I do not think Wisconsin's the team to prove otherwise. Okay, two quick ones here. 21 Cincinnati versus 16 Memphis. Interesting thing here is that these two teams played literally last week, and Memphis won by 10. So here's another one, Caleb. Do we see a 2017 Georgia-Auburn scenario uh, where one team wins one week and and loses the next, or uh, do you think Memphis does it twice in a row? Uh, I'm going to go with Cincinnati. Um, No um, deep reasoning behind it. It's a coin flip, and we'll go ahead – heads last week and it looks like it's going to flip to tails this week so <laughs> Cincinnati on this one yeah I'm going Memphis I actually don't think it's a coin flip and first off coin flips what happens on one coin flip doesn't affect the next coin flip I learned that in school at some point it's one of the most <laughs> uh, crucial things I learned but another thing I learned in life is that the team that's consistently in the mix usually is better than the team that's uh, less consistent, and if you look at Cincinnati's schedule and, and look at their performance throughout the season as well as Memphis's, you'll see that Memphis has been the more consistent team, more worthy of a championship, and I think they get it done. I'm going with the Memphis Tigers. So final game, and this one actually isn't this week. It's next week, but we're not doing a show next week because Georgia will not have a game regardless of the outcome of this game. So Army versus number 23, Navy. Navy's only losses came to Memphis and Notre Dame, uh, both ranked opponents. And this Army team nearly beat Michigan on the road in the second week of the season, but has since lost to teams like Tulane, Western Kentucky, Georgia State, San Jose State, Air Force, and Hawaii. Quite the resume there for Army. But this is a game that I will watch, and uh, it's always a fun one. It's a great rivalry. Army Navy, I feel like anything can happen. Caleb, what do you think happens in this one? Yeah, I like Navy in this one. I think they've been more consistent, played better all year. We could stumble upon one of those games that Army um, put on Michigan, but I think um, the chances are that Navy takes this one. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Going with Navy, uh, sorry Harrison, sorry Corey, former roommates who – 
or Army ROTC, but I'm going with my cousin Robbie and uh, Navy in this one. So extra point, Caleb, as always, this is the Georgia game, and we've got number four Georgia versus number one LSU. As we all know, Georgia has not been pretty. LSU has been. But LSU gives up more than twice as many points per game as Georgia. And, uh, you know, it's a championship game. Jake Fromm's been there. Joe Burrow hasn't. Kirby Smart's historically gotten his teams up for these kind of games. Georgia's played down to their opponents. But that doesn't mean that they're going to play down while they're playing LSU. So this is an interesting one to me. I think a lot of people are writing Georgia off, almost understandably so. But I do not think this defense gets enough credit. I think too much weight is given to offenses in college football today. Caleb, let's do a countdown. I'll go 3-2-1, and we'll both say our scores, and we'll see how close we came this week. You ready? Ready. 3-2-1, Wait, what did you say? 38-35. Ooh. Is that dogs on top? Dogs on top. Man, that would be awesome. Okay, 38 to 35. I said 31 to 27. So fairly close in our score predictions as always. Caleb, how do you see that 38 to 35 unfolding? Um, I can't say that I have an extreme confidence on, on that score. I'm just throwing it out there. That's what uh, the closest thing that I can think of in a good direction for Georgia. Sure. Um, is that we're able to somehow throw together a um, an offense that can put up points like that against a, a defense that hasn't been pinned for being a really great defense all year, but they did look very solid um, last week against Texas A&M. Um, they were flying around. They got tons of talent, a lot of talent on LSU's defense that Georgia was going after. I remember some of those recruits. Very talented, very fast, um, and it looked like Against Texas A&M, they were starting to hone it in and, and come together. Um, I do – now, these are more hopes than um, actual analysis here, but mm-hmm. I, I'm hoping that that Georgia really is strong offensive line, puts together a really strong offensive line performance. If we can control the ball, if we can um, run that clock and, and stay in control of the ball, give our defense time to breathe and get ready for that air raid that Joe Burrow – has going on right now. I think we got a shot. We have to be perfect. I'm on special teams, I think. I think Mm -hmm. um, Rodrigo's got to be ready for some big kicks. Hopefully we're not using them a ton because we need to score six every time. But, yeah, field position's another big one. Um, Yes. Punting shoes, we got to pin them against uh, their end zone and and put them in tight spots. Um, So, yeah, I, I think we can do it. I think these big games, Kirby is very good at putting game plans together for these big ones. It, it kind of happened last year with uh, um, Georgia-Alabama. Mm-hmm. Alabama was much more highly regarded um, last year, and Georgia was quite the underdog for that SEC championship game, and we played really well for three-and-a-half quarters. Um, yeah. So I, I think Kirby is a good game planner, and I think he'll be ready for a game like this. Yeah, I expect Georgia to be ready. I also expect LSU to be ready. They're not the type of team to me like a Florida or an Auburn that's going to get full of themselves and come out undisciplined Um, all season long. They've looked like a team on a mission. Joe Burrow, Coach O, all the way down. 
Those guys are focused. They're thinking championship. They're locked in. So I think Georgia's going to get LSU's best game as well. But I certainly wouldn't expect Georgia to come out flat based on what I've seen in, in previous games of this magnitude. Here's my keys for Georgia. The turnover margin is absolutely crucial. I think Georgia has very little margin for error in this kind of game. And LSU is plus six on the season um, as, as it pertains to turnovers. Georgia's only plus two. The defense has got to make plays. They've got to force some bad throws. They've got to strip the ball. They've got to get the offense, the ball, with good field position and take the ball out of that LSU offense's hands. On the other side of the ball, Jake Fromm has to be very careful. One of his first passes last week could have been a pick six and may have been against a more talented team like LSU. We've got to take care of the football. That is absolutely crucial for this Georgia offense uh, with the style of football that we're playing at the moment. Another thing that is a key to me is sustaining drives on offense. We cannot be having three and outs. We've got to keep that LSU offense off the field, keep our defense fresh, and uh, you know, hopefully be getting some points out of many of our drives and if nothing else, keeping, you know, LSU's offense off the field. Um, this team's got to generate some explosive plays. I know Tyler Simmons has come out and said that James Coley has many, many great plays that this team has not used yet. I hope um, a few of those are utilized in this game because it's about time for some explosive plays on offense LSU's shown that they're vulnerable to explosive plays, and Georgia's got to put points on the board in this one. We're not going to win 10-7. to Like you said, Caleb, phenomenal special teams play will be crucial. We've got to beat LSU in all aspects of the game that we can, and that is certainly one where we have you know as good a shot as they do at, at having the better game. I want to see good punts from Jake Camarda like we've been seeing. I want to see Rodrigo... Um, hit the clutch kicks like he's known for doing. And the last key factor for me, Caleb, is Jake Fromm. How different is this Georgia team when Jake Fromm is on? Jake Fromm can be phenomenal, as we saw in last year's SEC championship. He can also be dismal, as we saw in last year's LSU game. I think that Jake Fromm's performance is the key to this game for this Georgia team because I know this defense is going to come to play I know LSU is going to score their points, um, but the defense is going to do everything they can to limit those points, to force turnovers, and to give this opportunity a chance to score more points. And it, to me, it comes down to Jake Fromm's ability both to protect the football and also to help get the football across the opponent's goal line. Those are my keys for the game, Caleb. Man, I'm nervous. I'm excited. It's SEC Championship Week. I was there last year, got my heart broken again. I remember right after that game thinking to myself, I cannot wait for this time next year. Here we are. We've got another shot to win championship, to put ourselves in the position for a playoff spot. All of our goals are still in front of us. This Georgia team controls its own destiny. It's exciting. It's scary, but it's absolutely where you want to be at this time in the season. So, Caleb, I uh, I may be watching the game with you. We'll see. I don't know if, if a single room could contain that much passion and anxiety. What do you think? Yeah, I'm excited. I don't know my plans yet either, but um, I certainly would not um, I would not um, frown upon watching the game with you. I think our energy together would um, might put some good juju on this on this game. 
Yeah, and since you say that, Georgia is 1-0 and in SEC championship games that we have attended together, um, and that was the 2017 SEC championship over Auburn. I remember picking you up on my shoulder, jumping up and down in the stadium. Man, maybe if we watch this game together, that's what it will take for these dogs. I will say this to you uh, superstitious dog fans that have tickets. Just keep in mind that the dogs are 1-0 in SEC championship games that Caleb and I have attended together. Um, you know how to be in touch. DMs, Twitter, Instagram. So, yeah. <laughs> but in all, in all seriousness, well, that is very serious. Like, I, you know, will be forever. I'll be eternally grateful if, uh, if something were to work out. But um, for those of you attending the game, be loud, rep Georgia well. LSU has kind of a reputation and uh, let's have a reputation for being the loudest fans uh, that own the Mercedes Benz every time Georgia goes there. For those of you watching at home, we're on this together. Man, I've been watching that high school musical show. (laughs) I did not mean to say that. For those of you watching this at home, we are watching with you. (laughs) We're watching with you and uh, man, let's, let's root these dogs to victory. Let's go to the playoff again. Let's, uh, let's do 2017 again. For real, though, appreciate y'all listening. Stay tuned. We've got uh, at least one more SEC Championship special coming up. Really excited about this week, uh, about some of these opportunities for the show. So stay tuned, and as always, go dogs. Go dogs.